0: First John, to know God and share His love. We're going to be looking at this book of First John. It's in the New Testament, written by, can you guess? John, and uh, it's a small book. It's about five chapters. You could probably read through it in about thirty minutes if you're a slow reader. I'll give you two hours. You can get through it. And so, in the coming weeks, as we look at this, I'd love for you to go home and read First John. You know, every day. Or maybe twice a day? No. You know, as much as you can, just get this thing into your heart because it really is the fundamentals of the Christian life. You can find them in 1 John. And it's a fairly simple book, but it's extremely deep. So um, you'll get a a basic understanding of what Christianity is about because that's what John was trying to express to the people that he was writing to. And um, so my theme for these coming weeks is that we would know God... And share His love, share His love, just as Bridget and Barbara and Louise shared about. We really got to share that love with Karen, and that's the desire, in whatever that way looks for us, looks like for us. Um, before uh, Heather and I got married, um, Heather wanted to know all the information she could about me. So she went to my family members. Yeah, I got two microphones. Isn't that cool? It's stereo. Should I just do one, Eric? Okay, I'll try this one. There we go. (laughs) Before uh, we got married, so Heather Heather and I, we met um, online. Yes. That's normal now these days, isn't it? Relationships starting online. Um, It's not always a bad thing, but if it just stays online, then it's not really a relationship. If it becomes a relationship, then you actually, you want to get to know each other in real life. And so I brought her over here. (laughs) I invited Heather over here, and uh, we got to know each other. And so I lived here. Heather was living at the time in New Mexico, working as a pediatric nurse. And then she was up in Alaska for a while. And she came over and she got to meet some of my friends here. And she got to meet some of my family. And But one of the things she did early on in our relationship, fairly early on, was she wanted to basically get the dirt on me. Because she wanted to know what she was walking into, if she was going to make any kind of a commitment. Right? Hallelujah. Can I get an amen, ladies? It's Okay. Single men and single women to look for the dirt on that man or woman if you're going to get in a relationship with them because Facebook won't share it all. So she went. She was trying to get all the information on me, you know, in a good way because she she wanted to know what she was walking into. And um, uh, and so my question for you today is, is this? Can you put that next slide up for me? Who is your nearest and dearest friend? Who could tell me who you are? If I wanted to find the dirt on you, who would I talk to? Who's that, who's that person that I would go to? I'm not going to try and find the dirt on you, okay? Don't worry. Um, who is that person? And the reason that I ask that is because the guy who wrote this book, First John, was that person for Jesus. John was that friend to Jesus. If you want to know what Jesus was like, who would you ask? You would ask John, okay? And um, so John was a great guy. Uh, Jesus, Jesus knew a lot of people, and he loved all people. But as far as his time on this earth, perhaps next to his mom and dad, John was that nearest and dearest friend, um, As you read the New Testament, you find out that John's name is John the Beloved, or John the one who Jesus loved. And um, so this is John. So this is what we're going to be looking at. And so I wanted to um, ask another question of you. Can you put the next question up, please? What do people call you? And in Mark chapter 3, we find that... uh, Jesus had a nickname for John, and that nickname was Son of Thunder. Isn't that funny that Jesus had a nickname for John? What would Jesus' nickname for you be? Ah, that's interesting. Imagine Jesus calling you the Son of Thunder. Can you guess that probably John had a strong personality? Maybe. Strong personality, John. Um, when we look as well in the New Testament about John, we find that when Jesus goes and he's calling his disciples, John is there and he's working with his brother James on their father's boat. And their father was a businessman, and actually he was probably a pretty successful businessman he ha- because he had employees. He had other people that worked for him on these boats. And they were working, it says, James and John... Uh, putting together some nets and they were working with their father and other workers employees were there and jesus says to him come follow me and what does john do he drops the net immediately it says he leaves his father and goes with jesus he leaves his dad in the boat and just walks with jesus for the next three years he left his he left his father he left his livelihood He left his legacy. I mean, I imagine the father wanted to pass this business on to his sons, and these guys were out of there. And so you see, John is a man of action. He's a son of thunder. He wasn't like, okay, Jesus, let me see if I can budget this and uh, make sure the numbers run and that for the next year I'm going to be able to make it. Let me count the numbers. No, John just acted. He's a man of action, okay? And I always thought John was a nice guy when I read the New Testament. Was it anybody else like that? When I read about John, I thought, oh, he's the one that laid his head on Jesus' shoulder, and he's the youngest of the disciples. But as I looked deeper, I found that John was a son of thunder. And actually, God loves sons of thunder. Passionate people. Any passionate people out there, God loves even you. It's good news. So this was John, a powerful powerful young man. He was young as well. He was younger than Jesus, and Jesus was 30, so I'm, I'm 40, and so he's like a baby when he's first starting out. We think he was probably in his, in his early 20s, but he may have been as young as 18. Could have been a teenager. Imagine. So then there's this funny story. I kind of mentioned it last week in Luke chapter 9, and Jesus and the disciples are traveling you know jesus did a lot of ministry up in the north part of israel and then they would travel south he was on his way to jerusalem in the south and they were going through a place called samaria which is a region it's like a county and they were about to enter a village but this village didn't want jesus to come they weren't being very kind and welcoming come stay with us we'll open our homes and john is there and he says to jesus jesus do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them. Isn't that hilarious? What a nice guy. And Jesus, so Jesus hears this and it says that Jesus rebuked him. Okay, John, that's probably not the best attitude to have. He's an interesting guy. He's a son of thunder. And um, our, uh, so he was, a, he, he was a man of strong disposition and Jesus didn't discourage his strong disposition But he did say that, John, that needs to be redirected. Can you say redirected? Redirected. That strength of yours that has become a weakness in this moment, you're wanting to destroy people because they didn't welcome me, your strength that has become a weakness is still a strength, but I need to redirect that in a better way. So don't get rid of your personality, but let me adjust that personality towards good. And this is the way that Jesus works. I'm telling you, uh, the Bible says, wounds of a friend are better than kisses of an enemy. And so one of the best blessings that you can get is to have God rebuke you. Can I get an amen? Amen. One of the best blessings to your life it's to have God rebuke you because it's going to be for your good. It's, it might hurt, but it's going to be a blessing. That friend may kiss you, oh, oh, yeah, then they're going to kick you into the fire, right? Jesus, he may give you a little spanky on the shoulder, but it's because he's trying to save you from that car that's going to run into you or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So one of the best blessings for your life is a rebuke from God, and um, if you're a Christian, hey, God loves. I mean, the whole thing starts with rebuke. You know, one of the ways that the the transformations that take place. Do you you know that word? There's this special word called repentance, where we have to. It all begins at this place of repentance. God, I'm sorry. I've been living a selfish life. I've been doing things my way. And to begin this relationship with God, you actually have to, all of us, however nice we are, however good we think we are, however kind and loving, we're all on a selfish path. And we all have to turn around and say, Lord, I need you. And this is the, the start of the relationship with God. And um, it hurts, but hey, smile. It's good stuff. There's so much hope in that God, when God rebukes you. And maybe you feel, I'm just going to pause on this little repentance for a moment. Maybe you feel discouraged because you've been going your own way again and again and again. Lord, I keep going my own way. Today is a new day. Today is a new day. Just start Today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just say, Lord, I know I've been messing up, and I've done it over and over and over, and I want to turn towards you. I know I keep turning back, but start today again. Say, Lord, I need you. I want to turn your way. This is, this is the grace of God, and he says, come. Okay, so how is, um, my next question for you is, um, how is God redirecting you? Can you put that next slide up for me? How is God redirecting your life? <clears throat> so in Mark 10, I know I told you to turn to 1 John, but I'm going to go all over the New Testament first. So put your finger in 1 John. We're going to get there. In Mark 10, John, you, we find that John tells Jesus what to do. Any of you ever tell God what to do? Yes. Okay. You're like me. He says to Jesus, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? And uh, so Jesus says, oh, yeah, sure, okay, what, what do you want? And they say, Jesus, this is John and his brother, the two sons of thunder. Uh, they say, Jesus, we want when you come into your glory, I want to sit on your right hand and he can sit on your left hand. Is that okay? And Jesus says, Well, you actually have no idea what you're asking for. Because their, their mindset of Jesus is that Jesus is going to become the king. He was the Messiah. They were following him. And all this amazing stuff was happening. There were crowds coming out to Jesus. Crazy miracles were happening. Jesus was multiplying fish and bread And they thought he was going to become a king. And so where did they want to be? They wanted to be worshipped as well on that throne next to him. All the glory to Jesus and them. Right? When you go to sit in your place of glory, let us be right next to you so we can get some of that glory. Anybody want some glory for themselves? Yes, we want that. Aren't we all like that? We all want that glory. And Jesus says, you guys don't know what you're asking. My coming to glory is going to a cross. He didn't say that, but he said, you don't know what you're asking. You have no idea, actually. And so then he redirects that question. See, he doesn't rebuke them for asking the question. He doesn't rebuke that strong personality that just says before they think, he doesn't rebuke that, actually. That's interesting, but he does redirect it. He says, if you want to be great, learn to be a servant of all. That, you see that, mis, that redirection into their lives? So they were, they were seeking greatness in glory for themselves, and Jesus redefines what greatness is he says, greatness is not glory for yourself. Greatness is serving others. Yeah? Giving it away. That's Jesus. Come on. So how's Jesus redirecting your life? He, G, because um, uh, Jesus cares about the motivation. So some of us come to Jesus, and we say, Jesus, give me a wife. Jesus, give me money. (laughs) Jesus, give me a house, because rent is way too high. Can't handle this. Jesus, give me authority. Jesus, give me influence. Jesus, promote me at my job. And those things aren't bad. I don't think Jesus will necessarily rebuke you for asking for these things because they're not necessarily bad or good things. They can be good. But he does redirect our motivation and say, actually, why are you asking for that? What is most important to you? What is best for you? And, and so he does redirect us because he, he, wants, he wants to adjust us and grow us. Um, So, when we get to know God, when you get to know God more and more, don't be surprised when He redirects you. Okay, let me just tell you a few more things about John. John, as I said, he was the youngest of the disciples, and um, he was the disciple at the Last Supper that leaned on jesus shoulder so he was sitting right next to him he was the he was the one disciple at the feet of jesus when jesus was on the cross john was also the disciple when jesus was on the cross he he saw john and his mom there and he said to john john look there's your mother mother look there's your son basically saying john you take care of my mom i'm going to be going can you watch after her uh, John heard that when Jesus was risen remember the ladies saw that Jesus was no longer in his tomb and they came and back told, told the disciples and when John heard it he and Peter got into a foot race running to the, um, the, the empty tomb and do you know who got there first? Young John I think people, Peter was just older like me he probably had a little bit of a belly like I'm starting to get and John was younger and so he just beat him there so this was john uh, he he became in galatians 2 he became known as a pillar in the church uh, james his brother was martyred he was killed because he was a follower of jesus christ uh, john was the last living disciple they say that they boiled john alive like all the disciples except for judas were killed for following jesus except for john but they tried to they boiled him alive they think in oil some say uh, but he survived it, and he lived to a really old age. And he wrote five books in the New Testament, more books than any of the other 12 disciples. Uh, the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and does anybody know the last one? Revelation, Revelation written by John. Uh, and so John, John's life was a redirected life. In his 20s, he was a... Um, Strong personality. Like Peter, he probably, he, he put his foot in his mouth a good few times. And, but um, in his later years, you see that there's this big transformation that takes place in John's life. Into his, I don't know, 80s, 90s, 100s. Where he became a guy who had a to- totally different uh, attitude. He was still strong, but his message was love one another and that's what we're going to see as we look at first john so now we're going to look at first john uh, chapter 1 verse 4 and i won't take any more than two more hours to finish what i have to say today first john chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 and i believe that can be on the screen too okay let's read first john 1 1 to 4 i'm just going to read through each of the verses so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete so that's where i wanted to start with us today john beginning first john one through four and um He's, he's writing about Jesus. And did you know that uh, more books have been written about Jesus than about anybody else? Libraries are full of them. And, and do you know what else about these books is that very often they say very, very, very different things about Jesus? Some of them talk about totally different things about him. And, and what John wants you to do is to read his book. He says, I was the guy that saw him. I heard him with my ears, saw him with my eyes. It's not some spiritual seeing. It's his, I saw him with my eyes. I touched him. So John wants us to know about Jesus because he was one of his closest friends with him. And so the question is, will you hear from what John has to say about Jesus? Will you count it more important than what all the other people say about Jesus out there? John wants, because the, the people he's talking about, those that were with him, those disciples, have great Um, Truths to share about Jesus. They want to proclaim it so that you can know Jesus and you can know Father God. Because when you know Jesus, you know Father God. This great God who created everything, who's way out there and so massive. How do I know what you're like, God? Do you know what the Bible says? Look at Jesus and find out what God is like. This is what we have, and this is what John wants to share with us. So he's this—he's um, this brash, bumbling guy in his twenties. But when he's pushing his hundreds, he's still loving Jesus. He's gone—gone gone through a lot, and um, he was a son of thunder. But now he uses when—when when you read through this, it's almost like a father talking to his children. And over and over again, he—he he says, "My dear children." Listen to what I have to say about Jesus. I want you to know Him. He's so important. It's so important that you guys love each other. Your Father would want you to love one another. This is His message. It's a, it's um, it's a, an amazing message. I, you know, I'm I'm a dad. Any dads here? Um, some you we talk to our kids. We say we love them, and they and. They say do we love you and they say yes you love us but god loves us this much and and the other day because i was reading this i was telling do you want to know how you guys can love us one of the best ways that you guys can love us my kids is when you love one another it makes us so happy jewel isaac justice jewel it makes us so happy when you love isaac Isaac, it makes us so happy. We know that you love us when you love your sister, right? Is that, fathers, is that true? It's, it's a lot less headache as well when they're loving each other. And that's the same message that John gives to us. He says, Listen, life church, do you want to know how you can love God? You can love each other. That's a wonderful way. To show that you love God is to love your brothers and sisters. And this, as we're going to see, this is a huge part of what John has to say. In, in uh, these five chapters, he uses the word love 40 times. And this love one another is so important. And just today as I was sharing this and asking this question... Um, Is God redirecting you? You know, um, it's, it's really important that we love each other. And I just wanted to put out there that if there's something in you where you realize, well, I'm not loving this person, or there is, you know, my brother or sister, there is something and I actually, I probably do need to deal with it. Let me encourage you today that the Holy Spirit is probably speaking to you and that God would love to redirect you to reconcile that relationship where there's like a wall that's built up because the way for you to love God is to, for us to love each other. And so if you can deal with that, that is going to be so amazing for your life. If you can let that go, let, you know, just kick over that wall and say, I'm sorry. It's, it's a good idea. It's going to open up new vistas for your life. And um, this is the message of John. It'll make your father so happy. And God knows you. God made you. God loves you. And he wants us to love one another. Um, There are writings about John. There are people that uh, were basically... um, disciples of John you know follow me as I follow Jesus and they talk about John in his old age and when he was in his I think 80s 90s 100s it says that they would walk him up to the front of the church service and they would sit him down this son of thunder because he couldn't stand for too long and this is what he would say he would simply say in his message his preaching God's your father You're his children. Love one another. This is the message of John, the son of thunder, whose life was redirected toward giving all that strength, all that passion to follow Jesus and love the brothers and sisters.